Welcome to the Rabbi Greenberg Show, the podcast that brings Jewish knowledge to you. The Hebrew word for life is Chaim. And Chaim is a plural word. Why is the word life in English? It's singular. You don't say lives for life. Why in Hebrew is the word for life a plural word? I once heard the Lubavitcher Rebbe at a gathering where a group of Jews from my hometown of Buffalo were attending that gathering. And among that group, there was a schedule for a Nobel laureate in chemistry, Dr. Hauptmann, to be there, whose Hebrew name was Chaim, the word for life. So I believe that the Rebbe explained the plural use of the word Chaim and addressing it to the individual whose whole life surrounded Chaim, life, and chemistry, which is a living, dynamic force. At any rate, the Rebbe explained that in order for Chaim, for life, to be worthy of its name, one has to have a relationship. You have to live with and for someone. You have to not just be into oneself. One has to have a relationship. So if we have to use a good term for relationships, the word would be Chaim, because it defines life as a life in which there are good relationships. But there are other reasons why Chaim is in the plural. For example, when we look at life, human life in particular, we see the complexity. Life is not made up of one color. Life is not one dimension. Life is multicolored, multidimensional. And what I would like to explain how in order for us to have ideal relationships, the first definition of the word chayim, relationships, where we live with and for others, you have to also have a healthy relationship with yourself to understand who you are, who we are, what makes us tick. And that the first thing I think that is important for people to know is that a human being is very different from any other creature. We are qualitatively different contrary to the evolutionists who like to talk about human beings as animals. While it's true we do have animal characteristics as well, but that's not what defines our humanity. What defines our humanity is that we're not animals. We are complex beings. Animals are programmed beings. In fact, even the angels are considered to be spiritual animals, and they're programmed. An angel is a messenger of God who has a mission, a one-sided mission. The angel is monolithic. A human being is a complex being. We are a composite of different hues and colors. We have different personality types. And within each personality, we have bits and pieces of all the other personalities. You know, there's a statement in the Talmud concerning the two great schools and academies of scholarship, the school of Shammai and the school of Hillel. 
And they would argue about many different things of Jewish law. And the Talmud says something striking. Elu ve'elu divra alikim chayim. These, the teachings of the school of Shammai, and these, the teachings of the school of Hillel, are the words of the living God. The Hebrew word for living is chayim. Again, the plural word chayim. And also the word for God that is used here, Elohim, is also a plural word. Now, of course, we know that there's only one God. That one God, when he allows his light to be channeled through his different attributes, that light is refracted. That light breaks up into the different colors of the rainbow. And actually, we have seven different personality types that are described in Hasidic philosophy and in the teachings of Kabbalah. In other words, the school of Hillel and the school of Shammai were both taking the light that came from one God, but that light was refracted, that light was channeled through the various different attributes that are divine attributes, but are also mirrored in our own personalities. So the school of Shammai's focus was more on gvura, as it's explained in Hasidic thought, gvura meaning harshness, judgmentalism. We know the teacher of the school of Shammai, Shammai himself, was a very stern person when the potential convert comes to him and demands, teach me the Torah, standing on one foot. Shammai takes a ruler and he chases him out because he could not tolerate the, the lack of respect for Judaism that this potential convert exhibited. So he used the trait of gvura, of judgment, and the school of Shammai likewise followed in their teacher's path in using judgment primarily. The school of Hillel, on the other hand, Hillel, the word Hillel actually comes from the word in Hebrew, which means light. Hillel was a shining individual, a person with a sweet personality, a warm personality. And when that spiritual teaching that he received, that they, the students of Hillel, received from their teachers, when it was channeled through their minds, you usually had a more permissive result. They were more lenient in their rulings. But it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes the school of Shammai was more lenient. Sometimes the school of Hillel was more lenient. Why? Because we have all personality types within us. And that's the beauty of Torah, of Judaism. Judaism is not about one direction. Judaism is about multi-directions, going in different directions, except that you can't go in different directions at the same time, and you can't go in different directions that are contrary to the correct path. For example, it's not a bad thing if a person dances with joy at a wedding and cries and grieves at a funeral. Nothing wrong about that. In fact, that's the way it should be. Because we do have in ourselves the trait that expresses joy, and we have the trait in us that expresses sorrow. And as long as we do it at the appropriate time, if a person will dance for joy at a funeral and grieve and cry at a wedding, using the same two emotions but using them at the wrong time. So we need the Torah to balance our different directions, the different colors that make up our personality. And a lot of the problems that people have 
with their own perception of self-perception is based on the erroneous belief that we are monolithic beings, that we have one direction. And if we suddenly go in a different direction, we feel that we have done something wrong, we're, we're hypocrites. I think that's a very important point to talk about briefly, at least, that the, the charge of hypocrisy is a very dangerous charge because what it does to a person is to tell the person, you know what, if I'm a hypocrite because I did one thing that is good, but then I did something that's bad, that person will then define himself or herself as essentially a bad person, a limited person, and give up on life, give up on doing good. You can't call a person a hypocrite because they go in different directions. What we could call a person is complex because they have different colors, different attributes, different personality types within themselves, and they don't know how to regulate them. You know, there's one could point to a, a person, let's call him David, after a long day at work, very hard, difficult day, he comes home, and he's very irritated, and he starts barking at his wife and at his children, and he's just very, very irate. And then when he goes to sleep, he feels horrible about himself. He says, what kind of a horrible person am I, that I'm so sweet and nice at the office with strangers, but when it comes to my own family, my loved ones, I behave in this very, very aggressive manner, and I'm totally just, I can't deal with myself. I'm a horrible person, and I become very depressed. David becomes very depressed. Why? Because he doesn't realize that a human being is not a hypocrite because they behave differently. A hypocrite would have to be defined very narrowly as a person who acts piously, not because they believe in it, not because they think it's good, but because it's a way to deceive other people so they can then go out and deceive them and maybe even rob them and whatever it is, uh, if it's a matter of financial defrauding someone after you show them how honest you are, or it's just treating someone the wrong way and harming them, but thinking they won't notice it because you acted very nice to them, but that was all an act. That would be a hypocrite. But a person who one day is behaving in a very beautiful way, full of love and compassion, and the next day they behave very roughly and gruffly, that's not a hypocrite. That means that that's a healthy human being who has different emotions and doesn't know how to regulate them, doesn't know how to balance them. That's one aspect of the complexity of a human being. We have in ourselves, we have chesed, we have the attribute of kindness, which mirrors God divine attribute of kindness. We have the attribute of gvura, of judgment, which mirrors and reflects God's attribute of judgment. We have tiferes, that's called beauty or harmony, where we're able to synthesize the different attributes, the different traits, emotional traits. That also mirrors God's attribute of tiferes. But the greatest balancing force that we have is Torah. Torah is the ultimate balancing act. But before I go into explaining what Torah is and how it balances us and how that affects our relationships, let's talk about another dimension of the complexity of the human being. The Alter Rebbe, the first Chabad leader in his classic work, the Tanya, talks about a person who feels very, very lousy about himself. Why? Because in the middle of prayer, 
the middle of a time when they're trying to connect to God, all of a sudden all these alien thoughts enter them, all these not nice thoughts, uh, immoral thoughts perhaps, enter one's mind and disrupts the whole prayer experience. And you feel like you're a horrible person, you're a hypocrite, your prayer is worthless. And the Alter Rebbe says that's absolutely false. Why is that false? Because if you had one soul, and that soul is engaged in prayer, in a spiritual activity, in a elevating activity, and all of a sudden you have this horrible thought that degrades you, you'd say you're schizophrenic. You'd say you're a hypocrite. How could it be that I'm engaged in something holy and I'm thinking about something very unholy? It must be that I'm worthless and my prayer is worthless. But that's not the truth. The truth is that we have two separate souls. We have a animal soul and we have a godly soul. The animal soul is like an animal. is interested in self-gratification. It's interested in all sorts of things that do not bring you closer to God. And don't make you a better person. And then you have a godly soul, which some people would identify as their conscience. But it's really a part of God within each and every one of us. And when that godly soul is engaged in prayer, the animal soul has what it's called a yetzahara, an evil impulse. Part of the animal soul is natural, instinctive, and part of it is selfish, egotistical, which could lead the person to all sorts of negative things. And all of a sudden, when your prayer is becoming worthwhile and you're taking off, as it were, the animal soul, the Yetzirah, the evil impulse says, one second, I can't allow this because that's going to transform me and I won't be able to indulge in my animalistic desires and I won't be the animal that I'm supposed to be. And therefore, the animal soul, the Yetzirah, instills these negative thoughts to undermine our spirituality. So at that time, we shouldn't think of ourselves as being horrible. On the contrary, if our prayer was worthless, we wouldn't have those thoughts. Because why would the Sahara? why would the evil impulse want to contend with someone whose prayer doesn't mean very much? He's happy that our prayer doesn't mean very much. But if your prayer is really worthwhile, and the same thing could be said about anything that you do that is positive, and all of a sudden, in the middle of what you're doing that is positive, you have these negative thoughts, you have these cynical negative thoughts, don't despair, don't think that you're a horrible person. Realize that you have, you're a composite of two different personalities, the godly and the animal, and they're in conflict. And that's what life is all about. And the ideal goal in life is to be able to control the animal's desires and ultimately to transform them. But even when you can't, you should never undermine the value, the positive value of your positive efforts. So we're living in a world where every human being is a microcosm of the spiritual realms. The spiritual realms are multidimensional, and our own personal lives are also a reflection of that multidimensional existence. So when things happen in a higher world, the Kabbalists tell us, when things, there's upheaval in the spiritual realms, it's reflected on our own personalities. And conversely, when our personalities are in conflict, in flux, there's a lot of activity going on, sometimes healthy, sometimes unhealthy. It's reflected in the cosmos that the spiritual worlds are also going through this type of challenge. Well, what, what does that tell us about personality types and about our relationships with others? If we want to have a good relationship with another, 
you have to recognize that we're not the same. Yes, we may share some characteristics, but we're basically different personality types. Yes, I have all the personality types, but I'm primarily, like the school of Hillel, I'm primarily chesed, kindness, love, outgoing. Another person is like the school of Shammai, gvura, judgment, harshness, being stern, being judgmental, which could be a very positive thing when you apply it to yourself to make sure that you live a good life. It's not as positive when you apply it to other people and judge other people the way uh, you shouldn't and you wouldn't even judge yourself. But we, we have these different personality types and we focus on one and the other person may focus on the other. How do we get along? The answer is we have to find the balance within ourselves. If we could balance the, op, the different and even conflicting emotions within ourselves, we have the right balance and that means that we have chayim, we have life. The multifaceted dimension of life is a healthy one because we know how to balance everything and we, that we, first we recognize our complexity and then we balance everything, then we can find a way of finding the part of us that is compatible with the other, that we could supplement and complement the other. And even when we are different, we, have, we find ways, just like we could find ways of balancing our own different personality types, the same way we can learn how to balance the differences with our own personalities and the other person's personalities. But how do we accomplish that? How do we learn how to find balance? And the answer is Torah. There's a Mishnah, Ethics of the Fathers, the very beginning, the world stands on three things, Torah, study of Torah, avoda, service, which can be applied to prayer, and gemilut chasadim, acts of loving kindness. The Hebrew term that's used there is the world stands on three things. In another Mishnah, it says the world exists on three things, on justice, truth, and peace. Why over there does it say exists, and here it says stands? So the Rebbe explained that if the world didn't have justice, peace, and truth, then the world would not exist. It would just self-destruct. The world would degenerate into anarchy and chaos. But Torah is not here just to keep the world in existence. Once the world is in existence, the world is unstable. Why is that? So the Rebbe explained, on the first day of creation, the Zohar tells us, God created the world through his attribute of chesed, of kindness. The second day through the attribute of gevurah, of judgment. And likewise, every day of the week reflected another one of God's attributes. Now you have seven different attributes, and they're all vying for primacy. They're all vying for control. So the world sometimes goes in one direction, then it goes in the other direction. So it's not standing. It's, it's constantly about to fall in one direction and then fall in the other direction. There's no stability. When the Torah came along at Mount Sinai, that's what brought stability to the world because Torah is referred to as the source of beauty and harmony. Torah is what guides us and tells us, yes, today is a day of chesed. Today you have to go out and help others. Then Torah tells us today is a day of rest. Today you have to withdraw from the physical world. 
and so on and so forth. The Torah is the ultimate guide and balance in our lives. When a person lives a life in accordance with Torah and has the proper balance within themselves and all of the different competing attributes are able to get along because each one knows its place and each one learns to respect the other, that means if we could respect our own feelings, we could respect our own different directions that our souls take and realize that we're multidimensional and we're multifaceted, then we will be able to also find the right balance with other people as well. So the first translation of Chaim that I quoted the Rebbe, that it's the idea of relationships, that you're living a pluralistic life, you're living with others and for others, we're not only talking about a spouse, we're talking about people in general, about the living for others, they have relationships. How do we have healthy relationships? We need the second translation of Chaim and the plural usage of the word that means that we are multifaceted and that we know how to balance the different parts of our personality. If we can have a healthy relationship with ourselves, then we can have and go on when we're on the road to a healthy and peaceful relationship with others. Thanks for listening to the Rabbi Greenberg Show.